to everybody to this our first virtual uh, platform uh, church service and we thank God that even in times like this we can still connect. So before we start I'll just ask uh, Dr. Msimango just to open for us in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, even at times such as this. We thank you that you continue to show your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you that even this day you are, your eyes are going through and through all over the earth looking for those that are loyal to you, that you may show yourself strong on their behalf. We thank you so much for this service in Zimwanga. We thank you for this facility that the admin created for us. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We welcome you, O oh God. We acknowledge your presence in this place. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are going to speak into our lives, Father God, according to every situation that we are in. We thank you that your word is alive. Your word is truth. Your word is powerful. It will reach, Father God, every area of our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that even this morning as your word is coming forth. You said, I sent forth my word, I healed them, and I delivered them from all their destruction. Father God, we are ready to receive your word. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for every family that is connected here, O oh God Almighty, that you will touch all of their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that your servant, Wafunzi, is anointed, Heavenly Father God, to preach the good news, Father God, to us, to deliver those that are bound Father God, to proclaim the year of favor to all of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, Dr. Msimango. <coughs> so we are starting and uh, I'm very much excited about this opportunity. And thanks for all of you for who have managed to make it this a bit early but it means you're taking your relationship with the Lord seriously and you're taking uh, your life more seriously. I actually just want to start with you from the book of Genesis, just to show you that there's actually a war declared between mankind and the enemy. So even though there is coronavirus, we've got to keep connected, we've got to keep doing what is right, we've got to keep on connecting and getting empowered because it's not as if there is a ceasefire between the devil and humanity. So the problems will continue. You just need to be equipped so that you can manage at all times. You can manage to, to be victorious. You can manage to win in life. So if we go together to the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, uh, I will read the New King James Version. Then you will see there that uh, actually there is an enmity already between mankind and the devil. And that enmity means we are at loggerheads and there's always fights and um, the fights between, between us and the enemy. So I'm going to, let's go together to the book of uh, Genesis 3.15, uh, New King James Version. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
So if you look at this, this is what the Lord declared already from the beginning. So it's not as if now because there is corona, then there is ceasefire and then we can just relax and because the devil is also relaxing. No, actually in the contrary, the enemy is even more angry now because he knows his time is near. So it's very necessary that we always get equipped uh, and get encouraged through the, through the word. So I just want to say to you that there is actually no force of the enemy that can stop the church of the living God. So we should not allow anything to stop us. Nothing will be able to stop us. The church of the living God is moving on. And that's why we started talking last week about faith works. And if you go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 in the Amplified Classic AMPC, uh, Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, or in Greek, Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it, or be strong to its detriment, or hold out against it. So again you can see here, Jesus is continuing with the same trend that we had in Genesis, where there is already enmity between mankind and the enemy. There is already enmity between mankind and the devil. But now in Matthew 16, 18, it shows us that we are, as the church of the living God, will not be overpowered by the enemy. But you only do not get overpowered if you are always getting ready to be equipped. So that's why I'm saying I'm very much thankful for those of you who have made this time. It's not as if you are doing the pastor a favor. This is serious. It's about our lives. It's not as if the enemy will cease now to operate and to attack. Actually, he sees this as even an opportune time to attack. He sees this as an opportune time to, 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 to attack and therefore we need to be very much vigilant in what we do. So if we go together to the book of, we just, you just go down to verse 19 in the good news, the same Matthew 16, because after he has said that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, he then tells us that he has given us authority here on the earth. That's why we are continuing with the message faith works because then here on the earth we will continue to rule and reign in life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the enemy has got no power to overpower us with. But if we are not trained, if we are not equipped, we will always be victims of the enemy instead of being more than conquerors. So in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven that what you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven and what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So if you look at this portion of scripture, Jesus is giving us the authority. We are the ones who have the authority here on the earth. It's very easy just to flow with what the world is saying where everybody it seems to be saying we don't know what to do, things are out of hand. Even in your own family you may have situations that you think this is too much for me. This is too much for me, but you have the power, you have the authority. So we've got to start learning to prohibit some of the things that we don't want to see in our families. We have to start prohibiting some of the things we don't want to see in our own lives. We have to start prohibiting things that we don't want to see even here on the earth and heaven will back us up. So, and we also have to start permitting and calling into being the things we want to see. I'm actually very much excited about the subject of faith 
because it makes me a master of my own destiny. It helps me to know that actually I can't say I'm waiting on God. God is waiting on me. God has already said that it shall be well with the righteous and he wants everything to go well with me. So I will use the keys and I know that the enemy is under my feet. And even in times like this, I know the enemy is not resting. Ah, that's why I'm also not resting. And I want to encourage you, brethren, in your Christian walk, this is not the time to rest. This is not the time to be lukewarm. This is not the time to give every excuse because there is corona. No, in the contrary, we've got even to be more vigilant. And also more so as we know that the day of the Lord is approaching, the coming of the Lord is even more closer than it has ever been. So we need to really stand up as if we are like people who are running for our final lap in the race. We have to put all the strength that we have in this race. Even when Paul reminded uh, the Gal church in Galatia, he says to them, who has bewitched you? You were running well. So I want each one of us in our own lives to say, am I still running the way that I'm pleased with? Am I running in a way that if the Lord were to come today, I would say he found me at my best? Or am I relaxing a bit? Am I taking things light? Am I now being entangled by things of this life? Because Paul says to Timothy, don't be, be like a soldier who doesn't get entangled with uh, the affairs of this life. So we need really to be very much decisive. Our love for the Lord should even be more stronger than ever before. But we also have to know that God has given us authority on the earth. The Bible says the heavens belongs to the Lord and the earth he has given to the sons of men. So he has given us the earth to take charge, to make decrees on the earth and heaven will back us up. So I want us to go together to the book of Job 22:28, so that you can know that actually it's your decision and it's your declaration, it's your decree that can make things change. I have actually since I started going through this message even in the past few weeks, even in my own life, I asked myself, what do I want? And then I said, I need this and this and this, I want this and this and this. And I started making declarations and those things are coming to pass. So it means your victory is just your faith away. Your victory is just uh, arm's length away. So you can actually also decide what you want to see on the earth and you make a declaration. So Job 22, 28 AMPC, it says, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. So if you look at this verse again, you can see that it is not us waiting for the Lord. It is the Lord waiting on us. He says, you shall decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. So I'm expecting God's favor every day. So I have to be expectant. Then I can see that favor upon my life. And when it says you shall also decide and decree. So you must first decide. You must first decide what you want to see, even in your own lives. Don't allow the situation or the circumstances to be the ones that decide things for you, that dictate terms in your life. We are more than conquerors. So I'm strengthened, I'm encouraged, I'm going to decide on a lot of things and align those things with the will of the Lord. And I will also make a decree. And I know that when I make a decree, when I declare things, things do happen. 
You know even if you are a prayer person, you have seen how God answers prayers. I've actually I always count what God does after I pray. So therefore I'm always encouraged to pray. I'm always encouraged to decree because I know my faith works. So we said in Galatians 5:6 King James version it says for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love. So we said that it means faith works. So faith works and it doesn't matter how much you think your faith is. You might say my faith is so small I've got very little faith. Use your faith because if you look even through the Bible you will find people like the Canaanite woman. We don't hear that those people were in church. We don't hear that they were strong in the Lord, but they used their faith and their faith was honored by God. So it means you you don't have to say in my situation I think this needs so and so this needs so and so. The Bible is very clear that there is no temptation or trial that will come that is beyond your ability. So whatever you are facing it's within your ability. You just have to take charge. You just have to use your faith and you don't have to say my faith is so small it can't do anything because even if it looks small it can do great things. Think of a seed. Actually Jesus puts this way, let's go to the book of Luke together. Then you will see how the capabilities of your faith you can only see that when you start using your faith. Don't undermine your faith. So Luke 17 5 to uh 8 will do it in the passion translation then you you will see this he says upon hearing this the apostle said to Jesus lord you must increase our measure of faith so they were thinking we just need more and more faith but Jesus responded if you have even the smallest measure of faith it would be powerful enough to say to this large tree my faith will pull you up by the roots and throw you into the sea and it will respond to your faith and obey you so do you see here that is talking about even if your faith it's seen as small it would be powerful enough to pluck big trees so it's like even when jesus says in mark he says you can say to this mountain so it's not that the size of your faith should be the size of a mountain it can be like a mustard seed but then your faith will always be victorious so i want to go through with you here i'm just saying to you uh, that in this myth in this look chapter 17 so when he talks about and it will respond to your faith and obey you again it means the lord is waiting for us your situations are waiting for you to decree because sometimes you find that we talk about our situations we complain about our mountains but we don't talk to them we don't command them so we need to start commanding them we need to start using our faith and we must not let our faith lie dormant because in verse 7 to 8 Jesus continued and after a servant has finished his work in the field or with the livestock he doesn't immediately sit down to relax and eat no a true servant prepares the food for his master and makes sure his master is served with meal before he sits down to eat his own so you can see that some of us we are making our faith to lie dormant our faith to relax our faith to to just sit down make your faith work make your faith work like i told you that do like a mechanic using a tool if you want to see how possible things are get the right tool and you will see things starting to change and start 
prophesying over your situations. We showed it to you in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 to 11 where God commanded Ezekiel to start talking to his situation. He started by showing him to look at how his situation looked like and he saw that the situation there, it was the situation of dry bones and they were indeed very dry. So that's what you can see in the natural. But you need to make declarations. You need to speak. You need to start using your faith. And I'm using my faith. You can use your faith. I'm prophesying over my situation. You can prophesy over your situation. We are usually very quick to complain about what other people are saying about us or what they are doing about us. But what are we saying about our situations? What are we doing about our situations? And we should not be moved by what we see because faith is beyond sight. So actually the Bible says 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, in the New King James Version, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So I shared with you last week, and I think we just need to zoom into that a bit, just to remind you how faith works. Faith is like your sixth sense. So sight is one of the senses. Hearing is one of the senses. Touch is one of the senses, and many others. But like I said to you, most often you will find that our senses are complementary to each other. They supplement what each the other sense does. Like now you are hearing me speaking because you are using the sense of hearing. But you can't see my voice, but you can hear it. So it means there are things that I cannot see, but my faith can perceive them. So we need to work exactly like that. That's how faith works. So faith is not based on what you can see. Faith is based on what God has said. And that is the word of God in your heart. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you know what God has said and you get convinced in your heart, you become fully persuaded that what God has promised is able also to perform. Then you will see what God can do and start declaring things. Start calling things into being. I told you that you shouldn't let your sight deceive you because sometimes you look at things and if you look at them in the natural, you think, oh, this is hopeless. I can't see how I will get out of this. Go and search the word that is related to that thing that you see. Because when you use your faith, you are like somebody, because the Bible talks about, actually let's read that definition of faith, because this is very much encouraging, it's very much interesting. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 in the Amplified Classic, Hebrews 11, 1 Amplified Classic says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Do you see that last part? Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Just like sound is not revealed to the eyes. There are some things that are also not revealed to the senses, but it doesn't mean they are not there or you cannot call them into being. So you need to then use your faith to, to call things into being. So I gave an example of how faith works. Just think of a bank statement. A bank statement will show you what money you have in the bank. 
So if you make a deposit at the ATM, it will give you back a proof of deposit. And then you can see what money you have in the bank. Even if you can't see the notes anymore, those notes are not lost. You just don't see them, but your bank statement will show you that your money is still there. So even in the word of God, many things are already deposited in us. So actually, if you look at the word of God, the word of God is like a proof of what God has deposited already for us. So let's take an example, healing. You go to the word of God and you look at what God has deposited. What he has deposited for us is by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, we are healed. When you have a need, there is already a deposit made that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So that is what is already deposited. So let me prove it to you in the scriptures. Let's go together to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3, the Passion Translation. 2 Peter 1, 3, Passion Translation, TPT. Then you will see this, this really blessed my heart because I realized that actually everything I ever need, it's already available. I just need to call it into being. I just need to take it by my faith. So it says, everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Did you see that? So I said first, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 in the Passion. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. So everything that I would ever need has already been deposited. I just need to go and search the land. You know when God said to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. So it means we need to spend time searching the promises of God, searching what has already been deposited, and we make a declaration. We start declaring things, we start calling things into being, because we know that when we speak those things, we call them. Even if we can't see them, it, means, it doesn't mean they are not there. You just need to call them. And sometimes even without calling them, you just need to keep on talking like they are there because you know they are there. You remember last week we shared with you about the story of the servant of Elisha when the Syrian army was coming to attack them. And that's in the book of Second Kings, chapter 6, verse 15 to 17 in the ERV. Second Kings 6, 15 to 17 in the ERV. It says... Elisha's servant got up early that morning. When he went out, he saw an army with horses and chariots all around the city. So I want you to look at this because it's very easy for us to see things in the natural. It's very easy for us to see what the enemy is doing. Because here the servant of Elisha sees the army of the enemy. Then the servant said to Elisha, Oh, my master, what can we do? So he was afraid because he saw what the enemy is trying to do. So most of the things, before the enemy defeats you, he makes you see your situation and think there is no hope. He makes you look at your situation. But what should come after you look at your situation? You need to declare. You need to start prophesying over your dry bones. So if you see your situation, tell it 
tell it what the word of God says. You remember when Ezekiel was told, say to the dry bones, thus saith the Lord. So you need to speak to your situation what the, word, the Lord's word said. So this seventh year, after seeing the armies of the enemy, he was supposed to have thought, but I also have an army. I've got angels of God encamping around me. The Lord said he has given his angels charge over me to protect me in all my ways. So when he was saying, oh my master, what can we do? Listen to what the man of God says in verse 16. Elisha said, don't be afraid. The army that fights for us is larger than the army that fights for Aram. So when Elisha spoke these words, he was speaking by his faith. So he was using his faith. He knew that the angels of the Lord encamps around him. So he was protected. He did not have to see the angels with his natural eyes. He knew they were there. But since the servant was afraid, he wanted this servant to at least see something. So look at this in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I ask you, open my servant's eyes so that he can see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and the servant saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. They were all around Elisha. So I want to ask you a question. Do you think these angels only came after Elisha spoke? I don't think so. I think they were there all along because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear the Lord. They only became visible to the servant when he was, his eyes now were opened. So to me, it says there are a lot of things that God has already deposited for us that are already available to you and I. But until such time that our eyes, our spiritual eyes are opened, we will not see them. And we'll keep on missing good blessings, good things that are around us. Some of you, you've got a lot of blessings close to you, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace. But because you are, your eyes are not open to see what God is doing, you are only seeing how terrible things are. You are only seeing the army of the enemy. So can we pray that Lord help me open my eyes so that I can see. I can see what you have deposited in my life. I can see what you have made available for me. So that then I will keep on speaking. I will keep on looking at things in the spiritual realm. And even if I can't see it, I can call it into being. Some of the things you have to start calling them. You remember in the book of Ezekiel, the one that we, we shared last week, after the dry bones came together and there was flesh on them, it says, but there was no breath. And the Lord said, call to the wind, call the wind. So he had to call the wind from the four corners of the earth. So some of your miracles, some of your things, you need to call them into being. You need to start declaring some of those things and call them so that they can come to pass. In your life, if your body is not feeling well, call healing. Healing is your portion. In your, if you've got needs, financial needs, instead of keeping on saying I'm broke, because when you say I'm broke, you are just reaffirming the natural. You are just showing how, how dry your bones are, but you are not declaring your faith. So if you look at it with me in the book of Romans chapter 4, Romans 4, 16 to 21 in the King James Version. Look at how faith works. Romans 4, 16 to 21 King James Version. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace 
to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom, before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So I want us to look at those uh, that phrase. God calls things that are not as though they already are. This portion doesn't say God calls things that are as though they are. So you don't have to call things that are as though they are. You don't have to keep on saying, but this is my reality. This is a fact, Pastor. No. Call the things that you want to see. Because God calls things that be not as though they were. So what are those things that we say they are not? It's things that may not be seen in the natural, but you already know they are there. So you call them. You call them. You declare them so that you can see them in the natural. Whatever you need, the Bible says God has already deposited in us everything that we will need in this life. So call your miracle. Call your breakthrough. Call your healing. Call your marriage. Call your children. Call your finances. Call them. Even if they are not there in the natural when you can't see them. But call them and bring them to come to pass. Because it says God calls things that be not as though they were. Who against hope, that's verse 18, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So there was already something that was spoken to Abraham, which he believed. And then he started going according to what was spoken. So again, something has already been spoken. Something has already been written in the word about you, about your situation, about even what we are going through now. It's not like your situation is new. It's not unique. Actually, the book of Peter talks about what you are going through, even your brethren throughout the world are undergoing such. And then verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So verse 19 actually says, he did not consider the natural facts. So the natural facts were, his body was very old, close to hundred. And Sarah's womb, it was at a menopausal stage. In other words, Sarah could not give birth when she was still of a childbearing age. How much unlikely was it for her to give birth when she had now gone to menopause? But according to this verse here, Abraham did not weaken in faith. He did not consider his own body. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. So sometimes you mustn't consider your situation. You mustn't consider the deadness of your situation. You mustn't consider the dryness of your situation. Declare the God's promises over your situation. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. So the more time you spend in the word, the more time you spend hearing the word, it's like now when I'm sharing this with you, something within your spirit is saying, there is this that I need to do, there is this that I need to do. It means faith is getting stirred up in you. Exactly what you are feeling, sensing in your heart now. The things that you are starting to think, I think I have been not very active in this one. I think I need to do this. That is the spirit of the Lord prompting you within you. So 
take that forward and continue to, to work according to what is being prompted in your spirit now. Because you need to be fully persuaded that God is well able to confirm his promises. Actually, when we believe God, it's not possible to please God if we do not walk by faith. If we just relax or if we just complain like the world, God is looking for people. Actually, when uh, Ms. Musimango was opening in prayer, she quoted that scripture that says, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro upon the face of the earth. He is looking for those whose hearts are loyal toward him that he may show himself strong on his behalf. So God is looking for people of faith that he can show himself strong on our behalf. And when we use faith, we please God. Because Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please him without faith. For he who cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So as we start winding down, I want to show you this thing about pleasing God by faith. So I see it in two ways. I see the first part of pleasing God by faith, meaning that when I use faith, I please God because I give God an opportunity to grant me that thing. To, to I, I give God an opportunity to let me have the things that he said I already have. In other words, God wants to see me well. God wants to see me healed. God wants to see me prosperous. God wants to see me, you remember Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospereth. So God already wants things to be well with me. Isaiah 3.10, Tell the righteous, it shall be well with them. And then Deuteronomy 5.29, Oh, that they would such a, have such a heart in them, that they would fear me always and keep my commands. Then it would be well with them and with their children. God, that's what God wants to see. So that's why when I use faith, then God is pleased because now the things that he said are mine, I can now have them. It doesn't please him to see us missing all the things that he has in store for us. It doesn't please him when he sees that the things we could have been enjoying, we are not enjoying them. And we have to start enjoying those. But the second part for me, when it says it's impossible to please God without faith, I also think when you do not use faith, you are actually doubting God. Anybody of us, I don't like people who don't trust me. And I believe God also doesn't, want, doesn't like it when people don't trust him. We want to be trusted. God also wants to be trusted. So therefore, when we use our faith, we are pleasing him. And he would then, uh, 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 he would accredit to us as righteousness. Actually, look at it in Romans 4. That Romans 4 that we were reading, we ended at 21. So I want us to go to 22 to 24, but I will do it in the Good News Translation. It says, that is why Abraham, through faith, was accepted as righteous by God. The words he was accepted as righteous were not written for him alone. They were written also for us who are to be accepted as righteous, who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from death. Do you see that? So in essence it's saying when we use faith, we are accepted as righteous. We are accepted to be in right standing with God because now God, we are in a position where God now can let the things that he wanted us to have, we can now receive them. We are standing in the right position because if things are there for you and you are not in the right position, you still won't get them. 
Not because things are not there, but you are not standing at the right place. So the right place, the right stance with God is faith. When we stand in faith, we are standing in that right place where it will be accepted to us, it will be credited to us as righteousness. It's very clear also if you look at it in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 17, Amplified Classic Romans 1 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith, that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. I want you to see then the words, for in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. So the right standing which God ascribes is revealed. And this is from faith to faith. In other words, when we accept Jesus, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we use faith. But after we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we need to continue to live by faith every day. Actually, we should not use faith like an, in an emergency situation, an option to use because now I'm sick, now I need to use faith to get healed. Now I don't have money, I need to use faith to get money. No, we need to use faith every day of our lives. We need to be constantly in touch with the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? There may be many things that are out there, many people who are out there who needs me now. What do you want me to do? Sometimes you find that the Lord puts it in your heart just to pray for us. Sometimes you find that you hear things, you hear a tragedy that took place maybe to one of your close relatives and you think, but I last prayed for this person so long ago. So it means if I was attuned to God, I could have prayed for this person. I might have done this and this and this. So that's why we have to be always walking by faith every day of our lives. We should not just wait for difficult situations to apply our faith. So faith must be like a lifestyle. We have to live by faith. We do not have to use faith as an emergency measure, but we have to live by faith. <clears throat> so let me conclude by these two verses in Romans, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 6 to 8, and then we will read verse 17, and then we conclude. But the righteousness, I'm reading in the New King James Version, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, you see again, the righteousness of faith. So we told you that it's ascribed to you as righteous when you use your faith. So the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Don't say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? <clears throat> the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. <laughs> Look at this. The word is where? Is near you where in your mouth and in your heart so when this word is near you when it's in your heart and in your mouth it's for you to decree it's for you to declare it's for you to speak that word in other words when this word is near me i will speak it i will speak it and that should be the word of faith 
not the word of doubt, not the word about my situation, because some, some of you have got a lot of words. Actually, there are a lot of people who are very talkative. You talk a lot of things. You talk a lot of things. You even have opportunities to, 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 to gossip. So you are using your mouth, but that is not the word of faith. That word does not change anything. That word actually makes things worse. But we need to have the word of faith. Because here, this verse 8 is very crucial. It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So, we need to speak the word of faith. We need to speak the word of faith. We need to declare the word of faith. You need to speak the word even if it's contrary to what your situation looks like because the word of God does not change. It is your situation that must change. So this word of faith would come as into your heart as you listen to the word, as you keep on hearing what God says. Then you will have this word of faith in your heart. It won't just come uh, automatically because you are a Christian. No, you've got to give yourself time to listen to the word. Mark 4.23 talks about the measure of virtue and uh, the, of study and 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 the measure of virtue and the, the measure of study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will be measured back to you so it means the however much word you put in your heart that is the amount of word that you will have to speak with your mouth and also you need to speak that word keep on speaking that word because Romans 10, 17 says, New King James Version, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I'm very much excited that my faith is coming. My faith will keep on coming as I keep on hearing the word. And even now as I was sharing with you, I believe that you were getting stirred up. You were receiving the word. You've been getting encouraged. You were feeling I'm really enjoying this word. I'm really enjoying this word. And some of the things in your life, now you were starting to see where you thought that, why are things not changing? Why are things like this? Why this problem? Why that problem? Now you see what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to start declaring. Start prophesying over your bones. Start saying, dry bones live again. Situation, this is going to change. This and this, and you make a declaration. And I believe that if we do that, we will continue to live victoriously here on the earth. I'm very much excited. For me, I'm not moved. Actually, even in moments like this, as we are living now, I'm not even thinking that, sure, the world is in turmoil, things are rough, things are this. I'm enjoying my Christian walk because God has not changed. God does not change because of situations. Actually, when situations are tough, that is the best time to see what you are made of. That is the best time to see that your faith can flourish. So I want to encourage you, children of God, let's not be moved by anything around us. Let's be moved by the word of faith that is in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.